present. Jesus always existed. Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, always existed. He didn't come into existence by being born into a manger. He was born as a child. That's why it says here, for unto us a child is born, but what? A son is given. The son is given from the heavenly realms because he always existed pre-eternity and before that. He always was. He created all things. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father. Well, hallelujah. How incredible is that, that the Son was given by being born into this world in human baby form? Comprehend that one for you. I'd like to introduce to you this morning a young boy, Andrew Joseph Cox. Andrew, would you come on up? Here is Andrew with his mom, Katie. His dad, Joe's around here somewhere. Oh, man. Now, this is precious. Don't you wish you get to do that? This is Andrew. How old is Andrew? Six weeks old. All right, now you get a load of this. God who created all things became one of these. What do you think about that? Oh, he's a little fussy this time. First service, he was pretty good. There we go. You can wave high, high, high. Andrew represents for us this morning in a tangible way the manifestation that took place 2,000 years ago, when God came into this world, the son was given being born as a child. I don't know about you, but don't ever lose sight of the wonder of this right here. Think Jesus was a fussy baby? He probably was. I had one youth pastor once tell me we kept talking about Jesus had poopy diapers, and I thought, please don't do that. I just don't need that image. Thanks, Katie. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. O holy night, on that moment, God intervened in all of history to change the world because there was a great, great need. And if God went to that length 2,000 years ago to intervene in this world with his manifest presence, I want you to know that God will go to that length in your life right now from whatever avenue you've come out of. Maybe you're indifferent to God. Maybe you used to walk with God. Maybe you're confused. I don't know. Maybe you've been hurt deeply. I want you to know this morning that the manifest presence of God, He will go to the length to come and bring His presence to your life as surely as when He brought His presence through that child that was born. What an incredible miracle. You know, some of you may have grown up with um, Larry King, Larry King Live on CNN, and he would interview people. You know, he'd sort of throw softball questions and all that kind of thing. But he interviewed a lot of people for many years. And an interviewer once asked him the question, if you could look back upon history and interview one person, who would that person be? And he immediately responded, he said, it would be Jesus Christ. 
an interview. So that's interesting. So he asked him, he says, well, what is the one question that you would want to ask Jesus Christ? And he said, the one question that I'd want to ask him is, was he indeed virgin born? Because the answer to that question would define history. The answer to that question would define history if Jesus was virgin born. What is he looking for in that? Did God intervene? Is there a supernatural world beyond the natural realm in which we see? Would a virgin woman who had not conceived through the natural means of relations with a man give birth to a child in this world? If that is true, then it changes the definition of all of history. It changes the definition in that we know that there's a God and God intervened and acted on behalf of humankind. What do you believe about that one? You know, sometimes as Christians, we take it for granted that what we believe doesn't sound weird. That sounds weird. Just like on that little uh, Facebook thing there, you know, pre-message. A lot of people unfriended Joseph. What? You're crazy. That doesn't sound right. An angel appeared to Mary and said that she would be with child, and she was. And she gave birth. The past manifestation of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, born as a babe in a manger but lived a sinless life, was obedient to the Father's will, going to the cross, dying on the cross, being raised from the grave, ascended to the heavens. The whole story just unfolds in a matter of 33 short years. God intervening in all the millenniums of time. Why? Because he knew the world needed to be rocked and changed and sin had to be dealt with and hope had to come. And that hope did come. It came through the birth of a child. As it says in Luke 2, verse 10, I bring you good news that has been caused for great joy for just a few people. No, for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I will never lose sight of the joy that it is to live on this side of not only the, the cross, but on this side of the birth of the Lord Jesus. For thousands and thousands of years, they looked for a Messiah, not understanding that God would have to become flesh. But when he became flesh, we now live 2,000 years since that event, and we look back one Christmas after another Christmas after another Christmas, and it becomes, well, we just sort of take it for granted, don't we, that God entered this world. Don't ever lose sight of the wonder or the manifestation that God, in the past, became a human. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Now, maybe you're a skeptic here this morning and say, yeah, that's the story of Christmas, and I probably, you know, sort of a little bit maybe there on the Larry King thing. I, I don't know. Was he really virgin-born? Can I ask you to do something? This is a dangerous prayer if you're a skeptic. Ask God to show you the truth. Maybe your heart's closed off to believing in the supernatural. To me, in the beginning God, if that's true, in the beginning God, then there's no other questions. All things are possible. All things are possible. But you have to believe. But to believe, you have to be receptive. And you can take your criticalness and throw tons of questions at God. 
That's one of the things I like about God. He's not embarrassed by questions. Become an honest seeker. Just as surely as the Magi sought out Jesus Christ to worship him and bring him gifts, may you go on a journey in your life and become a seeker of truth. And so if you're on the outside looking in, believing that Jesus Christ was God himself, come in the flesh, died on the cross, raised from the grave for your sins and for mine, and to join him in his kingdom in this world because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then I just, I just invite him to show you the truth. And if you're a follower of Jesus, may this be your prayer. Lord, waken me up to the fresh, incredible, wonderful reality that you intervened in this world and want to intervene afresh every day in my life. May we never become mundane with the Advent season. So I'm going to ask you to do this something right now. You know, a lot of times we just become spectators in a service like this. We worship, we sing songs, we hear truth, we turn scriptures, write a few notes. But if this is true, that Jesus Christ came into this world, I believe, and we're going to look at it in a second, his presence is with us here. I want you to pray right now, quietly, and pray those prayers. You can thank God if you're a follower of Jesus this morning for him being born into this world. If you're a skeptic, just ask God to make you one who sincerely is a seeker of truth. And if you just become mundane or bored with the season, ask Jesus to wake you up afresh. Just a few moments for you to pray to Jesus, to God right now, and then I'll close. Whether through music, whether through spoken words, may we learn to listen and respond to you, even in a worship service. God, we do thank you for intervening into this world and sending hope must have been a desperate, desperate need that you saw to intervene in such a miraculous and spectacular way. God, may we find ourselves awed by the sense of the wonder of the incarnation of your advent. Lord, may we never grow weary. And Lord, if we are uncertain this hour, may we genuinely lay our lives before you as seekers of truth. Weird or not, Lord, may we choose to seek out truth and may we find it in all that we do and say. In your name, amen. So his manifestation passed in human form. How about his manifestation in the future, in his glorified form? His glorified presence, he promises. It says this in Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Whoa, that's a heavy verse. Who said those words? Do you know? Jesus did. Jesus is teaching people like you're sitting there today, and he says, hey, heads up, here's one. The Son of Man, when he comes in his glory. Now, he is the Son of Man. He's standing there, and he says, when he comes in his glory, what's he meaning? 
He's meaning not this first advent, but there's going to be a second advent. When he comes again, he will be manifest in all of his glory. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? He challenged God. He says, God, I want to see you. What did God say to him? You can't take it. That's what he told him. And so he says, you really want to see me? You hide in the cleft of that rock over there, and I'm going to put my hand over you, and you can see my hindsight as I walk by. That's basically what God said. You know why? Because it's hard for us to behold, especially as human beings, to behold the full glory of God. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John, remember that whole scenario. And he reveals himself, and there's Elijah, and there's Moses. Oh, my goodness, this is incredible glory happening here. I has not seen, or any hand behold, the glory of God when he comes. And Jesus is saying, the Son of Man, when he comes in all of his glory. He's going to do a couple things. He's going to uh, separate people. Really? Is that politically correct? Yeah. Because you see, God has a glorious heaven. And the glorious heaven would only be for people who would want to worship him in all of his glory. So he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. One of the fun things I had when I first came here was seeing that there's goats that graze on these hills across the street sometimes. I mean, lambs and sheep, and I thought, how cool is that? In Israel, this is true. They have the goats and the sheep. They're all sort of mixing and mingling together as you walk, go around. And, you know, the shepherd sort of separates them sometimes. And Jesus simply used that analogy that was common to everybody. He says, you know, on the final day when I come in my glory, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. I'm going to put the sheep on one side, the goats on the other side, and the sheep on one side are going to behold my full glory and enter into the presence of my eternity. And the ones on the other side will say, well, depart from me. I sort of never knew you. Why would you want to be around me? You never worship me on earth. Why would you want to worship me through eternity, right? It's not a mean thing. It's just the reality. But there's coming a day when Jesus Christ will show us his full glory. Now, we sing a lot of carols this time of year. One of the favorite carols is Hark the Herald Angels. You know that one, right? How does it go? Hark the Herald Angels sing glory to the newborn king. Do you know both the first lines of that are wrong? It was not written that way. Charles Wesley wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing as we sing it today. Actually, Charles Wesley in the early 1700s when he came to know Jesus Christ, he was so filled with truth and awe, he would sit and he pinned, him and his, his brother John pinned over 6,000 hymns. How about that? They didn't have time to waste on Facebook, I guess, right? So they were responding in written form. You don't waste time on Facebook. I understand that. It helps us stay connected. Cool. All right. <laughs> don't need the pastor going, hey, slam Facebook. But here's Charles Wesley writing this hymn, trying to describe how God became human flesh and beholding his glory. But what happened was... George Whitfield, who was a contemporary of Charles Wesley, uh, another great preacher, changed the words. And sometimes people change the words on Wesley's hymns to make them maybe more, make more sense. But this is actually what it says. It says this, Hark how the welkin rings, glory to the king of kings. Now, does anybody know what a welkin is? Well, I welkin, that's true. No, it's not reckon sort of sounds that way. Welkin is an old English term, and it means vault of heaven. 
And one of the sad things that happens with Hark the Herald Angels is it changes the perspective from which the song is being sung or lifted. You see, Hark the Herald Angels sing. It's like a shepherd going, oh my goodness, look, Hark the Herald Angels sing. I'm viewing this earth up to heaven. But when he wrote it, Hark how the welkin rings. He's actually talking about the perspective from heaven down to earth. In other words, there was a decision made somehow, God of the universe, to send his son at this particular strategic time and place. And he said, open the vaults of heaven for the glory of God. Hark how the welkin rings. Glory to the king of kings, not the newborn king. Yes, that's from a human perspective. The newborn king, a child is born, a son is given. But from heaven, they're worshiping the king of kings. He reigns eternally, always has. And so hark to how the welkin rings. Glory to the king of kings. It's really a declaration from the heavens shouting down to the earth rather than us on earth sort of describing what's happened in the glory of heaven. And I think when it comes to understanding the future, the glorified presence of Jesus Christ, we've got to get out of our little earthly mode and get into a heavenly vision. The heavenly vision you and I will participate in someday if we are followers of Jesus Christ this morning. It's promised for us. And there will be cherubim and seraphim and all the other angels, and we as redeemed human beings will be there around the throne giving glory to God, and he'll be giving us instructions for eternity and how we rule and reign with him and be co-heirs with Christ. I, I, I look forward to comprehending that whole deal. I can't with my small, night, small little finite mind right now. But what I want to do is I want to behold the manifest glory of God's presence, anticipating it for the future somehow in this present day and age. So Jesus, fill my heart with an understanding of your glory and your presence today in part for what i will someday see and lord fill my heart with a spirit of anticipation for that day so when i worship at the first advent i'm also looking forward to the second advent to when the son of man will come again in all of his glory and i pray by god's grace that i will be the lot that's cast with the sheep because I want to worship him forever. Which lot do you want to be cast in this morning? You know, Jesus, can you picture him leaving his disciples? I mean, here he is. He died. He rose from the grave. Appeared for 40 days. He's on this hill. And all of a sudden, they didn't know this was part of the plan, but he starts to get lifted up right before them. And they physically, not in his baby form, right? 33 years, so he's 33 years. He's lifted up in their presence in his manified, resurrected body presence, and he goes into the heavens, and they're standing there doing what? Gawking. Do you have a gawking look? Usually your gawking look is big eyes and your mouth open, right? What? And so they're gawking. And it says in the first chapter of Acts that two men in white appeared. What were they? Angels probably, right? And they're going like, dude, what's up? What are you gawking in the heavens for? They're like, oh, you silly. I can't believe and they said, basically, chill out. This one whom you've seen go into the heavens, this same Jesus you've seen go into the heavens will come back in the same man manner that you've seen him leave. And that is a truth that's imparted to us in Scripture that we carry with us today, that the ascension looked forward to that. And we all said, well, that'd be a great day when he comes back, and we anticipate that. But here's, here's a new thought for you, maybe. Have you ever thought that it's not only us that anticipate that glorified presence, 
but that it's Jesus that anticipates us being with him in that presence. Jesus says this in his high priestly prayer before he went to the cross. It says this in John chapter 17, verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. There's that preexistent Christ, the son who was given, right? Before the creation of the world. Jesus Christ existed, and then he was given. He was born into this world, and then he ascended out of this world on the other side of the work that he came to bring salvation to all people. And they're gawking up into the sky, but do you think as he was being lifted up into the heavens, he's going to say, man, I'm going to miss you guys. I think there was some of that. Now, he was going to send his spirit back down, as we'll look about in a second, but there was some longing in the soul of Jesus for all of us to be in the presence, the manifest presence of his glory. And he goes to prepare a place for us, and he will come back to receive us to himself, the word says. And he is anticipating that day when we will come home to see him in that full presence. Took my son to LAX, shipped him off to fly back to Indiana yesterday. I get that Facebook highlight. Mom says, my son is home. Right? Now if my husband would just come home, I'll be there next Sunday, Sunday night. I look forward to it. But think about Jesus. He longs, he longs for us to see him in his glorified presence. Are you hungry for his manifestation in your life? Past? How about future? Don't miss it. Open your heart up to him and anticipate it well. And so I'm going to pray here at this moment, too. And we're going to pray for the glory of God to be something we long to anticipate for in a fresh new way this Christmas season and to thank him for the promise of his return. And if you're a skeptic, as we pray, again, just be a seeker and say, Lord, is that true? Is that true that I could behold something that glorious as to be in your presence? Maybe you come in with a lot of sin and guilt and frustration and worry and think you're a loser today. Sometimes they say you got a big L written on your forehead, loser. You're not a loser. Jesus Christ created you, and he came to redeem you. He wants you to behold his glory. And if you're in that place today, maybe in this few moments of silent prayer, just ask for him to reveal his love to you in a fresh way as a seeker. So I'm going to pray, and then some moments for you to pray in silence. Lord, we thank you for the promise that we have for these angels who declared that in the same way that the disciples of that day saw you lift into the heavens, you would come again. Lord, we're so thankful for that scripture that says that all creation is waiting patiently and hopefully for your future day. When you will come down from the heavens with a mighty shout and with the soul-stirring cry of the archangel and the great trumpet call of God. And those who are dead will be first to rise and then you will catch us up who are alive if that so be the case at that particular time to meet them in the clouds and so shall we be with you forever. Lord, that passage on the Thessalonians, we thank you that passages such as that as well as Acts, as well as the passages of your high priestly prayer where you long for us to behold your glory are passages we can grab a hold of with great hope and endearment that we will, by your grace, experience your future manifestation 
the future manifest glory of your presence. Lord, may we be appreciative, may we worship you, and may we also be hungry and seek you. Hear our words of prayer. So be it. The manifestation past, the manifestation future. Starting to feel like Scrooge? The manifestation present. The manifestation present is a spiritual presence. A spiritual presence. Jesus says this in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. We've referenced this. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you in the past few weeks. But may you see it in its context here. These disciples were concerned about the, what they were fearing were tragic events ahead of them. And he told them not to fear. And he tried to comfort them, saying, it is to your advantage that all this happens. You see, Jesus wasn't able to be with every person all the time if he was in bodily, physical form. But if he was in spiritual form through his spirit, then his spirit could penetrate each and every person, not only 2,000 years ago, but every person that's seated in this room today. And so the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, is there to abide with his spiritual essence for us to enjoy, to wrap our arms around, to embrace, to hear from, to know that this is one who's going to advocate on our behalf. Isn't that frustrating when you don't have anybody to advocate for you? Well, they just don't know what's really true inside of me. Well, you have the Holy Spirit if you invited him into your life, and he's an advocate. And then he convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of Jesus himself that came back down on the day of Pentecost after Jesus ascended to the heavens, that manifest presence is available for you and I this hour. It's real. It's tangible. If we slow down enough, quiet prayer and otherwise, we may actually hear his voice. If we read the scriptures and allow God to uh, open our hearts to his truth, the Spirit uses this book to speak into our life. Sometimes through a godly counsel of someone else, the Spirit will reemphasize a phrase, a word that was spoken, and it strikes your heart. Sometimes when you're alone and you're afraid, you're reminded that you may be lonely, but you're never, ever alone. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. There's so much preciousness in this fact that Jesus sent his very spirit to be with us that we need to sort of celebrate at Christmas time. We celebrate the baby past, right? How about we celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit this Christmas and that Jesus is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. How is that possible? Just because we try to pretend? Or we try to remind ourselves about the ancient story? No. Emmanuel, God with us, is possible through his spirit, and his spirit is here to those, you catch that verse, who are looking for him. Now, if you're not looking for him today, you're not going to recognize him. Doesn't that make sense? You know, in, uh, I think it's uh, in Times Square, I saw this week that there's one of those big billboard uh, lit-up signs in Times Square that was taken on by an atheist group, atheist.org. Maybe you heard about this. And it says, who needs Christ in Christmas? Dot, 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 
nobody. And you're like, well, bah humbug to you too. It's like, why do you have to put up a sign like that? And they say, because they interviewed one of the people that was supposed to be a part of this small little organization, that they want people to know that they can enjoy Christmas without having to believe in Jesus. I go, okay, I guess you can enjoy the commercialism and some of the other kinds of cheer, but you really can't enjoy Christmas unless you enjoy the Christ who is in the Christ months, right? But there's this battle that goes on trying to deny the presence of God. And maybe you're one of those people who say, I sort of maybe agree with that sign. Well, that's cool. I want to ask you this. Would you be willing to be a genuine seeker and looker? Because Jesus is saying in this passage, you will not see him unless, as it says in another passage, unless you search for him with all of your heart. So maybe that's just a simple disposition you need to have this Christmas season. I don't know. See, I think it's really hard to be an atheist. In fact, I think it's intellectually uh, inconsistent uh, to be an atheist. Why? Because an atheist has to claim to have all knowledge in order to say there is no God. And that's what an atheist says, is there is no God. Well, the only person that says there is no God is someone who's all-knowledgeable, and an all-knowledgeable person would be God. So you are not God. Okay? And you can be an agnostic. An agnostic says what? I don't know. It comes from the word ignoramus. All right? Now, I know we sort of, that's a bad word kind of thing, ignorant. But ignoramus means I just don't know. I don't know. So you can intellectually be an agnostic, but you can't you know, really be coherent and say you're an atheist. That's why there's just a very small 2-3% of people that are atheists. And so I would say to the agnostic person, if you want to stay in the camp of the atheist, that's fine, but let's move to the camp of the agnostic, and you can sort of work that with your friends if they sort of don't believe in God. Say, well, would you say that you are ignorant? You don't know. And then you would say, well, you know, call, don't call me an ignoramus. That wouldn't be good. But would you say, would you be willing to seek and just open up your spirit to say, I don't know, maybe there is a God. Because Jesus is saying here that the world does not know him. Who's the world? The world are those who are indifferent, who are not looking for him. But you who are a follower of Jesus, who seek to live for him, you will know him because he will come to you through his spirit. And if you don't know him, then just lay yourself before God to be a genuine seeker this Christmas season. And that's where we need to move our friends to if they're indifferent. It's just, hey, just be a seeker, man. There's a lot of stuff maybe you aren't going to understand. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But open yourself up to God because his presence can be revealed to them because it's a spiritual presence that happens today. Matthew 18 says this. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by the Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Now, what I'd like to do with this aspect is to take us one step further than just expecting and seeking his presence in some type of spiritual dimension. I want us to realize that we can find his present spiritual presence as we are actively serving Christ today. And so if you're sort of dulled with the presence of Christ in your life right now, tune into this because I think there's something in it for you. If you'll take your... Um, uh, you got your bulletin there? In your bulletin is a list of where we've journeyed for the last six weeks, including today, since I came. We've been in a series called The Kingdom Now at Hand. Man, maybe you don't remember this. We started out the series. Remember how we started out the series? The sort of the bell curve of how churches sort of start out with a man, it becomes a movement, and then it turns into a machine, and then it falls into being a what? A monument. 
and we've got to blow up the monument to get back to the movement. To get back to the movement, you sort of need to start with the man, the son of man, Jesus Christ. And so that's where he started. The man, the person of Jesus Christ himself. Then we talked about the message, the full gospel, the kingdom of God. Then the mission, the kingdom of God to the entire world. And then the ministry, the labor of kingdom ambassadors. And that's, last week we gave a teaser on the movement, which is the multiplication of missional communities. And today we sort of culminate this series by talking about the manifestation, the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Well, let me share this with you. If we get on this new growth trajectory here, watch out because you're going to be seeing Jesus Christ showing up all over the place. I believe this to be true. Okay? As we engage the mission of God, all right, we will become awake to the presence of God. And that's what this verse is referencing here. This verse is actually a verse where Jesus has commissioned his disciples to, um, well, to do some binding and loosening. And I won't get into all that, but he was, he was telling them to whatever you bind and loose on earth will be bound in heaven and those kinds of things. He's saying, I'm imparting to you power and ministry strength to make things happen in my world. And so as you participate in this, this is where the verse comes. I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, now that's agree about doing a particular ministry task or a missional task. If you agree about that, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven, for where two or three have gathered in my name. Now, we hear that verse a lot, and it says, let's come together and worship. Because wherever two or three, Jesus is in our presence. Yes, he is in our presence through his Spirit. But think about this. It may not be as rich in the presence of a worshiping community as it is in the presence of a missional community. Because when you're out on the street, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, partnering with your friends, like we talked about last week, to be on mission, you become awake and alive to the God of mission. You want to have a spiritual awakening? Then become awake to the mission, and you participate in the mission. And this is why I think it's so beautiful here, because then it says what? Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, doing my ministry, binding and loosening, I am there in their midst. This is what happens when you go on mission together and we go on mission together as we think afresh the vision of this church and all that God's called us to, blowing up any type of monumental stuff and getting back to the movement. We're getting back to the Son of Man and what He is doing. And what He's doing is not just in here on a particular Sunday morning, but it's out there in the highways and the byways of life. And we get to participate in that. And as we participate in it, guess what? Jesus shows up. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're ministering and you're serving and you're going like, wow, that was a God thing. I think, you're saying this to yourself, I think God just used me. Did God just use me to encourage that person? Did God just use me to inch that skeptic person a step closer to being a seeker, maybe coming to know Christ? Yes. Did he just use your small group to not only minister out of a labor of love, of gifts and service to maybe the the homeless person or a single mom or, or someone who's down on their luck financially? Jesus is showing up in those places. You want to experience the manifest presence of God today? Then join him on his mission. And that's what we're going to be doing as a church. Each and every week, challenging each other to press out into the missional dimension of experiencing the presence of our Messiah. So make sure you've invited the presence of Jesus into your life. And make sure that you're choosing to be on mission with him. And as you step on mission, may you have the heart 
of our Savior who gave up his life as a ransom for many that all would be saved. You see, the Larry King thing, if indeed Jesus had been virgin born, it would define history. But all it would really say in one sense about history was that God exists, the supernatural exists, and maybe God intervened. But it doesn't really speak to the great love and compassion of what Jesus Christ did when he was born. There's another question that was depicted in a picture by a little girl. Little girl, I once saw it as a picture of him, of her holding the hands of Jesus. So she was holding the hands of Jesus, little girl. She was looking up at Jesus. Jesus was endeared looking down to her. And the little caption on the picture simply said this. It was a question. What happened to your hands? What happened to your hands? What was she looking at? She was looking at the nail-scarred hands. Jesus did that with Thomas. Thomas was the doubter. He said, look here my hands, see here my side. When we see the manifest glory presence of Jesus Christ on that final day when he ascends from the heavens and we spend all eternity with him, we'll be awakened to the beauty that he was a selfless savior. He gave of himself. And so the first question may ask, answer the natural things. Is there a supernatural? But there's some questions in life that can never be answered. And there's people asking those questions. But that's going to be not answered the question sometimes. If you've been found this way, I know I've been found this way in my life. Sometimes our questions are never answered about the challenges that we're going through. But if the presence of the Lord is in those question times, it makes a world difference. You can be the presence of Jesus with those who have questions in this world by living the same selfless, self-sacrificial life that Jesus showed us when he died on the cross and was raised from the grave. As you go on mission with him, may you go on mission as a servant that's broken to give your life for others and you will experience the glorified presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask Chris to come on the worship team, and we're going to sing a song that talks about an awakening. And if you want to be awakened to the manifest presence and power of Jesus Christ in your life and in your world and the nations today, then engage him. Engage him by worshiping him for who he is, the child who was born, the son who was given. Engage him by anticipating the future manifestation when he will come in his full glory with all of his angels. And participate by awakening to his presence in your personal life. If you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, this could be a sacred moment. I've been to Israel couple times. One time in particular, I went and I went to the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. It was a group of us that were riding bicycles around from my university. And this group, we gathered in a lower area in what would have been a cave 
and it wasn't a manger scene like we think about growing up. The actual place where animals stayed were in caves, and then they had their home areas above. So when there was no room on the inn, and they were in a stable, they ended up having to not stay up top, but they had to go down below. And they stayed in this cave where the animals were, and that's where Jesus was born. And so when you go to the church of Nativity in Bethlehem, you climb down into these stairs. And whether this was the place or not, it's symbolic of it. And there is this golden big star. And we're all packed in there, this group of us, Wondering Will's gang that were riding bikes around it. And, and the leader looked to me, and I was a young kid at the time, and said, Carrie, would you like to pray for us? And I said, sure, because that's the responsible Christian student thing to do, especially if you're studying to be in ministry maybe. So I began praying, and it all of a sudden hit me. It overwhelmed me that this could be the actual place where Jesus Christ entered this world as a babe in a manger. How incredible of a moment is that? And my soul was awakened to his presence in that moment. And my soul has been awakened to his presence through all these years and continues to be adamant that I want to experience him in the fullness of his glory. And Jesus is reminding me time and time again to worship him in the manifestation of his past, his future, and his present. And to do so with sacrificial love for people. And so I want to encourage you that if you've not received Jesus Christ into your life, as surely as I was standing on sacred ground in that moment where Jesus possibly entered onto this physical earth, this could be sacred ground here today where you would invite Jesus Christ to come into your life. What an incredible sacred moment. Through his spirit to enter your life here and now. Would you like to do that? I invite you to pray with me as Chris comes. Lord, your full glory we have yet to behold. And we don't even have the physical essence to behold all of that glory. But Lord, we desire to be where you are as surely as you desire us to be where you are. And Lord, one day in a new heaven and a new earth, and I don't fully understand all that, but I do know this, that wherever it be, it will be in your presence. And we won't have to conjecture we won't have to hope, we will know. But Lord, you've promised through your word that we can experience your presence today. If we will but awaken to you. And so Lord, I pray that you would awake a soul. Maybe there's one or two here today that have never invited you into their life and they would just simply pray this prayer and I invite you to so, say so in your heart if this is your desire today. Lord Jesus, I believe you existed eternally with the Father you were born into this world. You lived a perfect life. You died on a cross and you were raised from the grave. I don't understand it all. I have some doubts, but I accept it by faith and I invite you, Jesus, to come into my life now. I repent of my sin, whether it's my indifference, my double-mindedness, or my apathy, or my outright evil and the rebellion. I turn from that and I receive you into my life. Pray that prayer with all sincerity, whether it's those words or others. I invite you into my life, and I choose from this day forward to the best of my ability to worship you and to serve you. Jesus, come into my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just going to simply ask if there was anyone here this morning that responded in that way to receive Jesus Christ. You just simply lift your hands, not just to me, but to Jesus, and say, it's me, Jesus. I want your presence in my life. 
Is there anyone here this morning? Just in these few moments. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you in the full glory that you are. Awaken our souls. Awaken us by being on mission with you as well, Lord. May we be a people that worship you not only in word, but worship you in deed. In your name we pray. Amen.